2: Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
3: Coming alive from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting today, of course, from the legendary studios of WIBX up here in Utica, New York. Fox across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who has never, ever in the history of his radio career uh, been a little bit late getting over to the set. Uh, that <laughs> did not happen today either. <laughs> now nah, we're good. We're up here. They're treating us like a million bucks. I was actually printing out some stuff because we got a big day today. Uh, we have made it. If you took the under on me making it to Utica last night after taping Tucker, getting on the road, and driving through the middle of the night, the champ still has it, man. Still got the old jump shot. We had a good ride up. We are here at WIBX. We had a pretty spirited morning with the great Bill Keeler. And, of course, Jeff Minaski, uh was here as well because we are not within 500 feet of a school, so he was able to attend. But uh, it's been a great morning at IBX. We're ready to bang this out. We've got a big show. Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich is going to be in the house. We're also going to have a grown-up talk, uh, a big spirited talk with Daniel Turner from power to the future, because if you've been paying attention to any of Biden's energy solutions over the course of the last couple of days, there's only one solution to be drawn. Biden
4: is such a disaster.
3: It's bad. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the president's address to the nation. We're going to talk about whatever's on your mind. This is a talk show. This is what we do. We say it every day. You could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat. Just don't be a That is all. So 888 9910 if you want to join in. Uh, If you're watching the FailaVision on the TV, so last night, uh, myself and the great Abby Hornacek were scheduled to square off in Tucker Carlson's final exam. That will go down tonight in the 8 p.m. hour. So if you tuned in, you didn't get to see it. It's because we ran late because Joe Biden was addressing, if you remember, he was talking to the American people. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. And what the president was talking about last night, and this has been my biggest problem, man, with the gun thing is obviously, you know, you want what's best for the kids. But there are so many positions that are just non-starters. Like if you just, if you get on TV, you know, he says all the compassionate things that we all agree with, you know, so I can't, you know, applaud you for saying what should be said. You know, we all want to protect the children. Uh, We certainly seem to have different ways of going about doing it. But when the president says something like, oh, the Second Amendment is not absolute, that ends the debate. You know, the minute you're telling people, That's something that's in the Constitution. Some a right that shall not be infringed shall not be infringed. Shall not be infringed means shall not. It doesn't mean it might. You know, dependent on the the barometric pressure that day. You know, the three-day weekend. No, no. Shall not means there's no circumstance upon which it can be infringed. And what's so infuriating to a lot of people that are bargaining in good faith is we're in the middle of this political moment where the Democrats are telling you what that abortion, something that is not in the Constitution is their absolute right, but they want you to believe owning a gun, something that is in the Constitution, that's debatable. Democrats are so full of crap. A lot of people feel that way. So let me just give you some of the Biden, just so you know where we are, and we can kind of have an adult conversation from there, Uh, an adult conversation. It sounds like we've been having adult beverages, but it's not true. I'm actually just caffeinated. I'm nuts right now. I'm on an Amish rum springer. We're going to be at the Fat Cats Comedy Club tonight. Uh, there are a handful of tickets that the station has just released now that they know I made it here alive. Uh, Fat Cats, K-A-T-Z, ComedyClub.com. But here is Joe Biden, perhaps the most popular comedian in the nation right now, if you're watching this, uh, for the entertainment value. Uh, here he is. Okay, he says he, is, he respects law-abiding gun owners, but the Second Amendment is not absolute, which, i am got to be honest with you, is not is not respecting law-abiding gun owners. Clip three.
5: I want to be very clear. This is not about taking away anyone's guns. It's about not about vilifying gun owners. In fact, we believe we should be treating responsible gun owners as an example of how every gun owner should behave. I respect the culture and the tradition and the concerns of lawful gun owners. At the same time, the Second Amendment, like all other rights, is not absolute.
3: So there he goes. What an idiot. The Second Amendment is not absolute. Once you hear that, to a lot of people, it sounds like they're going to take away your guns. Now, he's not saying that, but you need to understand with every single one of these things, it's never where it starts. It's where they plan on taking it. Okay, so it starts with, oh, you can't have this kind of gun. But the next thing you know, we're a, you know, a few years down the road, and they're like, well, you can't have this kind of gun. When you say things like that, a lot of people just tune you out. It's frustrating because I don't want us to walk away from this moment. I think the moment requires a major investment into mental health oversight. I think it requires a major investment into fortifying schools at the very least. We should all be able to agree that we need to target the crazy. We should all be able to agree that we need to harden the schools because these guys are atar- you know attacking soft targets. And why wouldn't you want to harden the schools if that can be done? But we wind up in these situations that are non-starters to a lot of good faith people. Like last night when the president was talking about You know, we should be able to sue gun manufacturers. Every Democrat who says that is out of their mind if they think that's helping this conversation be productive because there's no rationale for it. The gun manufacturer made the item. They didn't pull the trigger. They didn't say use it this way. I mean, by that, you know, rationale, should we not be suing every automobile manufacturer? Every time some lunatic like the guy out in Waukesha, Wisconsin, runs somebody over. Guy ran over 42 people at a parade. That's pretty potent. That's a gun number. That's the kind of, that's a level of killing that you can only get done with a big-time gun. So why are we not suing Toyota? I, I'm not asking to. I don't think that's a serious proposal. It's the individual. And the fact that they keep taking responsibility away from the individual and saying there is some type of federal one-size-fits-all solution is why the problem doesn't go away. See, one-size-fits-all solutions are really easy to run on. Ah, oh, we just got to do this. That's easy to sell. It's a simple message. One-size-fits-all. NRA bad. White people, racist, <laughs> you know, Republicans bad, vote for me. You know, that's that's an easy message. But if you're actually here to solve the problem, you know, there's a little more nuance. It's going to require a little bit more of a, you know, intellectual effort than just those guys are bad, us guys are good. Okay, but that's where we are. Okay, here is Mondaire Jones. I've, I play his clips from time to time on the show. He's a congressman from New York, which, you know, there was a time when we considered that to be an accomplishment But then New York sent AOC to Washington.
4: AOC is a dope.
3: Well, Mondaire Jones doesn't get quite the airtime she does, uh, but he is just as dopey. And here he is saying the quiet part out loud. Democrats are going to abolish a filibuster. We're going to pack the Supreme Court to address gun violence. Now, listen, none of this is going to happen, but this is where they're willing to take it. Okay, this is their—this is what they'd like to do. Okay, here it is, clip six. Enough
6: of your thoughts and prayers. Enough. Enough. You will not stop us from advancing the Protecting Our Kids Act today. You will not stop us from passing it in the House next week and you will not stop us there. If the filibuster obstructs us, we will abolish it. If the Supreme Court objects, we will expand it and we will not rest until we have taken weapons of war out of circulation in our communities. Each and every day we will do whatever it takes to end gun violence, whatever it takes.
7: That was absolutely dreadful.
3: (laughs) It really was, Simon Cowell. Because you got to understand, okay, what Mondaire Jones is doing there, and this is why all of these congressional hearings, these floor sessions are so pointless, is everybody's going for their soundbite. You know, they're looking for the most creative take, the most impassioned plea, the thing that's going to leap off the page in under a minute and make the rounds on the news. So that's what Mondaire Jones is going for in that moment. You know, when he says, oh, we're going to destroy the filibuster. Okay, we're going to destroy the filibuster. They don't have the votes to do that. They don't actually have the vote. We're going to stack the court. They don't have the votes to do that. We will not stop. You've already stopped. You know when a politician ends his campaign? It's my favorite video you'll ever watch. Beto's filmed a bunch of these. He's always losing elections. But my favorite moment when a politician concedes a campaign is when, like, he's there with all the donors. And he's like, well, the campaign may be over, but the fight is just beginning. And everybody cheers. And then that guy leaves the stage, gets on a private jet down to an all-inclusive, and is drinking in a, <laughs> is drinking frozen drinks at a swim-up bar for six hours and for some reason never gets up once to go to the bathroom at the swim-up bar. Yeah, did you ever notice why it's so warm? You're like, wow, it's the middle of March. It's like 91 in this pool. This is something. Yeah, it's because you're standing around the swim-up bar all day. It's disgusting. But the politician who's in that swim-up bar next to you. He was the guy the night before vowing, we're just getting started. That's Mondaire Jones. We're just getting started. He's not doing anything. They're not abolishing the filibuster anytime soon. They're not stacking the court anytime soon. They want to, and that's what you need to understand, is that if they had the power to do it, they would. These are completely socially unmoored people. But you need to keep that in mind because when they say, oh, you know, We're not going to take away your guns. We're just going to take away these guns. But if they can take away these guns, they can take away those guns. And that's why they do it. Here's a fascinating media montage that was cut together by our, I mean, we have a first-rate crew on this show. Uh, Fox Across America, we have, I mean, I would say, as stabs go, the best of the absolute best. Wrong. All right, one cheap shot. But the point is, now we're playing championship ball over here. Here is a montage in the media, and Democrats telling you in one breath they don't want to take away your guns. And then in the next breath, <laughs> there's a Democratic leader going, gun bans. Listen to this. These are things they're saying. This is why you listen to this show. Aside from the fact that it convinces you that you two could have a nationally syndicated talk show. Yes, I know I'm empowering. You listen to me. You're like, this guy's a dope. I could do it too. But it's also because we're having a fair conversation. I'm not telling you what Democrats say. I'm letting you listen. You know, whereas, like, the Democrats run on what they want to convince people Republicans are saying. Oh, the don't say gay bill. They're banning gay people in Florida. They run on that. But they don't actually share any of the text of the bill because the text of the bill doesn't ban gay people. Okay? I don't do that on this show. I tell you exactly what they say. I let you think for yourself. Here's what, them, what they said. This is uh, it starts off on May the 28th, which is pretty recent. Clip 9.
6: One I is
5: at the table with the most reasonable... Policy proposals that are frankly quite modest. The other is is swathed in frothy delusion that someone's coming to take their guns.
8: We know what works on this. It includes let's have an assault weapons ban.
2: Nobody is saying let's you know skip the Second Amendment.
5: No one is saying that. We need a moratorium, perhaps on gun sales. Who will say on this network or any other network in the next few days? It's time to repeal the Second Amendment. I mean, there are so many things we can do
8: under the arc of gun safety. And we're not getting into gun control. We aren't taking guns away. And I don't care, NRA. You got to give that gun up. You have your other yeehaw guns, whatever you want. This gun is meant to kill people. That's what it's for. And you can't have it anymore.
6: The problem, though, is that you've had the NRA creating this myth that people are going to go take your guns
5: now what we need is a bill on the floor of the house which is controlled by democrats which will limit or eliminate ownership of assault weapons by ordinary people that are not involved in the law enforcement or the army
6: yeah the the narrative has become democrats will take your guns people who want gun uh, gun gun reforms are going to take your guns
3: i mean listen to that they're crazy No, no, we're not going to take your guns. Next cut. We need a gun ban. No, nobody's coming to confiscate guns. You can't have these guns. Like they're not listening to themselves. I say this all the time. Don't do things from emotion. When you operate from a place of emotion, it denies you the self-awareness that would otherwise say, hey, you sound like an idiot right now. Rational people think you're crazy. The Democrats sound crazy right now. They just spent a month telling you abortion is everyone's right even though it's not in the Constitution. But actually having a gun, that's in the Constitution, but it's up in the air right now. Do you understand that this is why we can't have nice things? And this is why nobody, but nobody, can actually take the Democratic Party serious anymore.
7: And I'm out here in the real world, and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. It's
2: the show that leaves you hungry for more.
7: We'll probably sit around and cook some soup, eat bread and desserts, and just get all fat and sassy.
2: This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system.
6: Looking for some easy likes on social media? The Support app will automatically change your profile picture to whatever causes trending each day.
7: Wow, 200 people like my stand with Ukraine post, and I can't even find Ukraine on a map.
6: The Support app scrolls all the latest hashtags to see what people are pretending to care about. Yeah, check that out. I got 500 likes for my Save the Planet post while I was littering on the side of the highway. Let's face it, you may not be a good person, but social media can make you look like one because... Thousands of dirtbags will share your post to feel better about themselves.
3: This is great. I retweeted this Save the Whales thing, and now I'm getting applause emojis all over my feed. The support app,
6: making losers feel like winners for over two years.
7: What's this? A message asking if I want to donate to Ukraine. Delete.
3: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. If you actually have the support app, uh, the cause celebre right now is Gun Control. And again, it's one of those issues where the most passionate people, the loudest people, have no idea what they're talking about. Most people that want to ban an AR-15 think it stands for assault rifle. Most people say we need to ban assault weapons. That's a very vague term. They're not actually gun literate, but they don't want a gun literate conversation. Okay, this is an issue that's more important to run on than it is to solve and get right. Where are you supposed to start for real is where you have common ground where we can agree the one thing every one of these people has in common is they're mentally ill. They're in bad situations, they've slipped through the cracks in society. We need to be more proactive about diagnosing such things. And those aren't just my words. I mean, I'm a little loopy. Who could take my word for anything at this point? You need somebody to co-sign it. That's why we've got Ezra on the line from Atlanta. Yo Ezra. Me on a couple
1: quick statistics and I want to make a uh, proposed yep. solution just as an example in Wisconsin. Last year, there were 650,000 hunters out in the woods. That's more men than the entire army of Iran and more than France and Germany combined. And there was not one person killed. There were 39 million hunting licenses issued last year, not one mm-hmm. person killed. Real assault weapons were banned in 1935 when they stopped the machine guns, and no NRA yep. guy has ever shot up any place. So yep. here's what I have to say. The the mm-hmm. pen is mightier than the sword. So this comment about muskets versus semi automatic weapons is nonsense. Yeah. What yep. about the quill versus the computer and all the destruction that has brought? And yep. until you know, how do we ask a seventeen year old to jump out of an airplane with an assault weapon and kill communists or terrorists and then they can't come back and hunt? It's ridiculous. Yeah.
3: Or defend right? themselves. So the whole point right. the whole point is to defend Absolutely. yourself. People try Absolutely. to make the Second Amendment debate about hunting because it sounds more cartoonish to use these guns when hunting. Right. But in theory, there, the Second a bad Amendment, hunting the, weapon, around. Yeah, weapon
1: around. Of course, so but the Second Amendment is hunting weapon around.
3: Of course. here's the
1: real sec- problem. Yeah, it, it, it's this woke culture. All these psycho killers. There's miss signal after miss signal. The guy yesterday had said he was going to go do it. The kid the other mm-hmm. day was dragging around bags of bloody dead cats. No one did that. So here's my solution. What not they hire and vet some retirees who have had a clean record, have them get paid for their own background check, register their guns, and have them guard hard and secure entries at schools. And that yeah. starts to integrate the elderly with the, with the youth today, so they don't start picking on the old people, and it's a better community. Can you imagine that? A better community. And people are working yeah, you're together. Actually, That's my... But point.
3: you're actually trying to solve the problem, and if you try, solve the problem, nobody can fundraise, nobody can campaign. You're screwing up right. a lot of lobbyist lunches at Cafe Milano in D.C., you know that. you <laughs> You just just lost the entire restaurant vote. I mean, Ezra, I love it. I think you're making beautiful points here. Uh, But I I don't know that the lobbyists are on board on K Street. Um, Listen, man, brilliant call. Uh, More of those headed your way, 888-788-9910. As we roll on, we are up in WIBX in beautiful Utica, New York. It's a rowdy Friday on the high-flying, death-defying Fox Across America.
4: His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share.
7: Mr. Gasoline Man, give a loan to me I'm not wealthy and there is no way I'm paying you Hey, Mr. Gasoline Man, throw a bone to me Prices go up every morning and I'm totally screwed Though I know Biden's a liar, his head is in the sand doesn't have a plan Blames everyone he can But he's the problem And Kamala confuses me Her brain is so empty They push green energy It is plain for all to see That they're both clueless Hey, Mr. Gasoline Man Give a loan to me I'm not wealthy, and there is no way I'm paying you. Hey, Mr. Gasoline Man, throw a bone to me. Prices go up every morning, and I'm totally screwed.
3: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You know it's getting bad out there in these streets when Bob Dylan's getting involved. Thinking about Mr. Gasoline, man. National average uh, at the highest recorded rate ever. Ever. Uh, as the new jobs numbers come out, the May jobs report, uh, slightly better than expectations, which is good. There's no spin here. Okay, the U.S. economy added 390,000 jobs in May. That's a bit beyond the 328,000 that were projected. Uh, the unemployment rate will hold. It held at 3.6%. So it's at a good number. I mean, if people actually want to go out there and go to work right now, there's plenty of opportunity. There's a lot of people outside the workforce, uh, but the issue here is not getting a job. It's getting a job that can actually keep up with inflation. Okay, you can tell me wages are rising, but they're not rising at the rate of inflation. The national wage growth is about 5%. The national rate of inflation is about 8.2%, which means every single solitary person, if you work it out along the lines of the average, is getting a pay cut right now. Okay, obviously, there are some people making beyond the mean average. But if you look at the collective, if you look at the country as a whole, you are looking at a situation where people are now taking home less, where people are paying more for the same amount of goods and getting back less at the end of the day when they walk out of the grocery store. Biden sucks. A lot of people feel that way. But here he is. Telling you there's no reason to not feel confident about the economy despite inflation so you know you can't pay for stuff <laughs> you can't you turning tricks behind the gas station to afford a gallon of gas but that's not a reason to feel bad i mean think of all the new techniques you're learning you know there's a lot of lot of customers to service here it is clip 13.
5: and there's no denying that high prices particularly around gasoline and food are a real problem for people but there's every reason for the american people to feel confident that we'll meet these challenges Because of the enormous progress we've made on the economy, the Americans can tackle inflation from a position of strength with steady growth, rising wages for working families, everyday costs easing up, and shrinking the deficit. That stability puts us in a strong position to tackle what is clearly a problem, inflation. I've been very clear that fighting inflation is my top economic priority.
3: Come on, man.
2: You were lying
5: your
7: ass up.
3: If it was his top economic priority, just so we're clear, we wouldn't be in this position. But when he tells you you should be confident, this we gotta understand. People don't listen to themselves anymore. I don't know why this is a thing in society. But people will get on a television on Thursday and tell you the complete opposite of what they said on Wednesday, with no regard for the fact that you heard both statements. Now this happens in more elongated windows as well. You know, a good example would be a clip I played yesterday. Biden on March the 31st is telling you what? Well, we cut into the strategic oil reserves. The prices are going to fall. They're going to come down. Maybe not right away because the station's bought some gas, but you'll see it. Ten cents, 20 cents a gallon. It's going to go way down. Since he gave that speech, gas is up a (coughs) dollar. Didn't go down. Okay, but again, he gave that speech that it's going to go down. Then he said what to you? Yeah, uh, on Wednesday, I played you both clips. Well, there's nothing we can do. Prices are just going to go up for now. There's nothing we can do. They're so concerned with the perception as opposed to the reality. So the perception is always we're positioned well, we're doing what we can, till they cannot avoid the reality you're living in. Well, it is bad, but it's Putin's fault. You know, and this is where we are on gas. I'll give you an example. So the clip I just played you, there's reason to feel confident despite inflation. We're positioned well. He's saying this a day after saying, there's nothing we can do. Okay, here's that clip, si- clip 16.
5: There's a lot going on
3: uh, right now,
5: but the idea we're going to be able to you know, click a switch, bring down the cost of gasoline is not likely in the near term, nor is it with regard to food. But here's one thing we can do. Look, I'll talk about this a little bit tomorrow, and I'm going
3: to stop. Yeah, stop. Do. Please do. <laughs> Please do. Okay, so there he is. OK, that's Wednesday. There's nothing we can do in regards to gas or food in the near term. OK, that's there's nothing we can do in the near term. But then on Thursday, he gets on TV and says, we're positioned well. We've got it under control. Do you understand? It's like it's bananas. But this is the the issue with like real politicians. I tell you this all the time. man. The like real politicians, this is not unique to Joe Biden. This is every traditional D.C. politician. OK, when they get on TV, they're just trying to get a win today. You know, Major League Baseball teams play 162-game season, which is unfortunate for the Mets because they're always good for like 60 of those games. Then the calendar turns to June, and we've all seen this one. <laughs> we've all seen how this movie ends, man. It's not pretty. But enough cheap shots at my staff. The point is, politicians are no different than Major League Baseball teams. They get out of bed each morning just looking for a win. We're discussing the problem. Like, how do we fix it? How do we better society? But their approach to the day is how do we fundraise? How do we boost our poll numbers? What can we say today that'll make us win the news cycle versus what we know the other side's going to be saying? You know, the Republicans are hot on this, so we're going to say that. You know, that's what they do. That's the strategy of politics. It's all gamesmanship, it's all showmanship. So he's willing to get out there on Wednesday and say, there's nothing we can do on gas, and then get out there on Thursday and be like, no, we've got it under control. For whatever reason, in his mind, it made sense to be honest with you on Wednesday. When he got back, they gave him his pudding cup for reading the teleprompter properly. They made the calculation that he'd be better off lying again on Thursday. So here we are. God knows what he's going to say on Friday. But understand, this is a dude on March 31st that said when we were cutting into the strategic oil reserves. Things that are there not because of surging gas prices, things that are there in case of an act of war. In case mother nature gives us the business and we can't produce, you know, fuel in this country. And again, yeah. we qualified that it's 2022. You have to say birthing person nature. If birthing person nature hits us with a hurricane, we have a strategic oil reserve. But Biden cut into that strategic oil reserve because his poll numbers were plummeting at the beginning of the Ukrainian war, the invasion anyway, and told us what? Oh, well, we're cutting into the reserves and the price is going to come down. Here it is. Clip 17. My guess
5: is we'll see it come down, continue to come down. Um, but how far down, I don't think anyone can tell. And there's going to be a slight delay because if you go out there and you're a gas station and you purchased X amount of gas at a certain price, you're not going to lower the price of the pump until you're able to get back what you invested. And that I'm talking matter of, I think, you know, days and weeks, but it's hard to tell. And the other thing is exact, but it will come down and it could come down fairly significantly. It could come down better part of you know, anything from 10 cents to 35 cents a gallon
3: i mean the guy's a mess okay so that's march 31st no no it's gonna come down 10 cents 20 cents gonna be significant i mean it's coming down you guys understand these gas prices they're coming down <laughs> they're not coming down okay here is cnn of all places you know, the late, great Rush Limbaugh used to talk about random acts of journalism, where every once in a while you'd see some type of reporter, some type of on-air personality in what he considered to be the drive-by media, which is always a great term. That's why Rush Limbaugh is so good. He's a good you know, brilliant guy, funny, and he had, he's just such, so good at branding, and I was, you know, he's got such a kick out of that. But When he called them the drive-bys and he talked about random acts of journalism, and, you know, this, this rare occasion where someone demonstrated an intellectual curiosity in a particular story in a particular realm that was not normally of their interest okay you got what we considered what rush considered to be an uh, you know a random act of journalism well Victor Blackwell last night okay he of course is on CNN
4: CNN is the worst they
3: really are but he told the White House senior advisor Mitch Landrow that you guys are talk talk talking but all we're getting is record high prices here it is clip 20 on top of that um, he released um product from the strategic petroleum reserve to bring down gas prices and then yes, he is in fact calling on Congress but to pass But they certainly did bring down that is gas help prices.
1: It, I mean, he, he certainly,
6: well, yes, but, but it's, uh, but, announced but, that but, release. Today gas is four sixty-seven a gallon.
3: But, 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 you know, the president himself doesn't control the price of gas. You
6: asked
4: whether or not there was anything that was in his power that he can do, and he's done Certainly. everything within he his power. Certainly. He does not control the price Including, of gas, but the wait, president said that releasing from le, the Strategic me, Reserve
6: would bring down the price of gas, and all we've seen since then was a series of record highs.
3: I mean, wow. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah, you're cutting the oil reserves. Oh, we've seen his record high. Oh, the president can't do anything. Yo, the president can do so much. Okay, the president is the reason the price of gas is up, which means he could absolutely be the reason if the price of gas went down. But he can't because he is a wholly owned subsidiary of the far left wing of his party. You need to know this, man. This does not mean attacking Joe Biden. I don't care about Joe Biden. I might meet Joe Biden. I might like the guy. Like maybe we have all the same movies. Maybe Joe, maybe Joe Biden's a big fan of Pee Wee's Big Adventure like I am. <laughs> maybe I'd like him. Who knows? I've never tried sniffing hair. Maybe I'd like sniffing hair. Maybe me and Joe Biden would get on great. You know? But you don't know. You don't know. So I'm not here to make you hate Joe Biden. It's not what I do. It's not the kind of show this is. I don't want to hate the guy. I don't want to be mad at the guy. But it's a statement of fact. Okay, when I say something to you, about how he's mismanaging the situation. Joe Biden, you need to know this, man. Joe Biden got the nomination for two reasons. One, pre-pandemic, the Democrats really did think they were going to get their asses handed to them. Okay, Trump was a shoo-in. He had just survived his second impeachment. The economy was at an all-time high. We didn't have inflation. We didn't have a gas crisis. We didn't have a baby formula crisis. We didn't have a record level of fentanyl overdose deaths. The murder rate wasn't surging at 32 to a 32 year high. That's where we are right now. That's how much better it was under Trump. Trump was exponentially better than Joe Biden in terms of the conditions in this country at the time he was president. Yeah, it was a little more contentious on Twitter. But again, Twitter is not going to pay your bills. Twitter is not going to not pay your bills. Twitter is inconsequential. It's a fight club for people who don't want to get hit. The reason they gave Joe Biden the nomination in 2020 is it was basically a Lifetime Achievement Award. The guy had run for president four times and lost, one time dropping out in 1988 because of a plagiarism scandal. Okay, one time, of course, becoming Barack Obama's vice president, a vice president who was famously referred to as one of the dumbest guys to ever hold an elected position in office.
9: I agree with that.
3: Okay, what did Barack Obama famously get caught saying when Biden ran for president? You know, never underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. You remember? I mean, it's famous. It's what he thought of the guy. Okay, so they gave Biden the nomination because they didn't want to tarnish, I guess, what they considered at the time to be someone uh, that was a part of their future, like a Cory Booker who's going nowhere. Spartacus. Pete Booty Judge going nowhere. You know, obviously, Kamala Harris is a zero.
4: Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Ha-ha! <laughs>
3: But the point is, they thought they were viable beyond 2020. So they initially gave Biden the nomination for two reasons. One, it was like, all right, we're going to lose this thing. Trump's going to have a second term. So we'll just throw Biden out there, you know, give him the drinking story, give him the Lifetime Achievement Award. He'll accept the nomination and he'll lose. But then COVID hit and the metric changed completely. It became a winnable election if they could consolidate the far left wing of the party, the people who wanted no part of Joe Biden but would support him. If they could be assured that they could control him, if they could elect Joe Biden, but for all intents and purposes, make Bernie Sanders the president, they're willing to campaign for that. And they did. And understand, he absolutely, this is the problem with traditional politicians that only want to win today. You know, they're not playing a long game. They just need that support. They just need that fundraising. So Joe Biden went along, you know, go along to get along. He told them, and we know this is true, and I'll walk you right through it. You know that, yes, if I get into office, I'm the vessel. You guys can kind of run the country as a proxy and we'll do everything you guys want to do on the far left wing of the party. And to be clear, they have, with the exception of, you know, real legislation that needed to meet the 60 vote threshold that they didn't pass because they don't have the votes in their own party, let alone the Republican Party. Biden, through executive order in the first 30 days in office, signed more executive orders than any president in the history of this country. Nearly two times as many as Donald Trump. That's how politics work. Whenever two parties change power, they trade playbooks. Okay, when Trump was in office, oh, these executive orders. This is authoritarian. Then the minute Trump gets out of office, the people yelling about executive orders go out and sign 40 executive orders. Oh, these executive orders are the worst. Now they're in power. Hey, let's sign some executive orders.
2: That's just how white folks will do you.
3: And he did. And he crushed the Keystone Energy Pipeline to placate The radical wing, uh, left wing, environmental wing of his party, 10,000 American jobs out the door, Okay, sacrificed at the altar of environmental virtue signaling, declared war on the fossil fuel industry, ended subsidies for drilling. He himself is the reason we were no longer a net exporter of energy. We went from being energy independent to beholden to, you know, the goings on around the world. You know, when you hear Putin's price hike, understand gas was going up for 14 straight months before he invaded Ukraine. But, yes, Putin invading Ukraine had an adverse effect on our prices. Why? Because we were no longer producing it at home. We were getting it from other parts of the world. So when you hear things like, ah, there's nothing the president can do, that's not designed to help you. Okay, that's designed to help him.
4: Well, I filled up Sunday morning with no way to pay for gas. That didn't hurt And I skipped another breakfast Cause it cost a hundred bucks to get to work When I started up my pickup Off I go to spend an extra day at work Bidens caused inflation everywhere And things get more expensive every day On a Sunday morning side job I'm wishing old that I was home But I'm working on a Sunday To pay for gas so I can roam And it's so expensive driving but we all need to get around. So I'm working on a Sunday till the gas price starts coming down. This
2: is Fox Across America with Jimmy Faila.
3: Oh, girl. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're up in Utica, New York, the legendary WIBX. I'm going to be appearing at the Fat Cats Comedy Club tonight. If you want to come down, hear some jokes, meet and greet, take some selfies, whatever you gotta do, Fat Cats, K-A-T-Z, Comedy club.com. In the next hour, Daniel Turner, he is the founder and executive director at Power the Future, is throwing the challenge flag at the Biden administration. On this OPEC deal, because he is not happy about the prices nor the solution. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore!
2: Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
3: Oh, girl! comedy live from the greatest country in the world. We are broadcasting today from the beautiful studios of WIBX up in Utica, New York. Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Fired up in this hour, we're going to talk to my man, Daniel Turner, who is, of course, the executive director of Power the Future. He is an energy expert that's trying to help you out at the gas pump and uh, a passionate man, to say the least. You've got to get mad. No, he is worked up, and I'm thrilled to have him on because he might be the only guy that sounds crazier than I do on the radio today. I am, of course, on a hell of a bender. Uh, Not just like in the last 24 hours, but I think in life. I mean, I I basically haven't gotten a decent night of sleep since I was 23 years old. Uh, I am now like, I'm 44. You know, I spent, you know, 15 years driving a cab, doing stand-up, all that craziness. And now I'm here, of course, hosting the fastest growing radio show in the world, which is quite an honor. You know, really cool, wild time to be me. Uh, But I'm always loopy because there's just so much going on. Don't forget, man. and, And this is the one thing that should be said about me. When they finally come and drag me out of the studio and throw me into a nut house and they like enough with this guy. I mean, it's really, it's for his own good. Uh, few people did more with less than your buddy, Jimmy fail. Okay. I went to community college. I did not go to USC like Abby Hornesack, my opponent that I will be facing off against on Tucker Carlson's final exam tonight at 8 PM. It's me against Abby. Her school cost about a quarter of a million dollars to get in my school. You got to give some guy named spider a bag of weed show up with a working Xbox control. And he's like, all right, welcome to community college. And to be clear, if you are going to community college, it's a genius move because you're getting great transferable credits for a lot cheaper than you're getting them for at a big school, a school that's going to teach you to hate America and charge you a quarter of a million dollars to do it. Okay, it's a genius move to go to community college if you take it seriously. But if you go and do what I did, which is just kind of like mill around the parking lot <laughs> half in the bag for most of the work day you're not going to come away with a ton of knowledge fat
2: drunk and stupid is no way to go through life so
3: i don't know it's been a hell of a way for me to go through life is the point uh but i don't get on the air every day is like the be all end all i'm not you know that's not my job as a radio host you know you listen to a lot of radio shows they, they pretend to know everything and if you dare disagree with them they usually get mad and just get get off my phone you dope and get you out of there why Because they feel threatened by your level of expertise, by your knowledge. They don't want to have to, you know, compete with you. They don't want to have to outthink you. I'm pretty upfront about the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of you listening, I I, I want to believe. I hope for your own good you're smarter than me. But I think that's also my radio superpower is I'm not here because I have all of the answers. I'm here because I'm willing to attempt to answer all of the questions. And I'm willing to give anybody a voice who might help us find the solution. This is a solutions-based show. We're having a good time, and we're trying to figure stuff out. I bring that up because the president now is talking about doing what? Flying over to Saudi Arabia in search of a solution to the oil crisis. And on Thursday, after a lot of begging and pleading from our country, OPEC announced it's agreed to a larger than expected. This is the quote, a larger than expected increase in production. And what it means is they're going to pump up production in July and August by 648,000 barrels a day. Now that sounds significant because they were supposed to bump up production in July and August by 400,000, you know, barrels a day. Okay, so understand though, the difference is 248,000 barrels of oil a day. You're like, wow, it's a lot more oil, and it is. But understand that Biden has been releasing an extra million barrels of oil a day from our strategic reserves. For the better part of two months. And has the price gone down? The answer would be no. No, the price has only gone up. So you understand 248000 is very inconsequential. It sounds like a lot. That's why they throw the numbers out there. You hear something like $648,000, you are like, whoa, 640000 This is getting crazy. They're really, they're all in now. But they're not all in. That's the issue. And White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre is very dopey. Nothing to do with the race or gender. Don't take this as like white guy. Going at now it 's not how this works. She just happens to be dopey. her tweet. We welcome the important decision from OPEC today to increase supply in July and August based on new market conditions. We recognize the role of Saudi Arabia as the chair of OPEC and its largest producer in achieving the consensus among the group members. so she 's you know basically just kissing butts. Hey, thanks guys, thanks for helping us out. And again, we do appreciate the help. We do need the help, but we 're only in the position of needing the help because of our own misdeeds, because of the production that was cut here in this country, okay, because of the fact that we abandoned our position as a net exporter of energy and became codependent again. Absent that, you're not actually in this position. That's the frustration I think a lot of people have. And, again, it's a, it's a note we can come back to over and over and over again, so I don't really want to belabor the point, but I want everybody to understand that, you know, the price of gas – When they bump up production by 248,000 barrels, that's a quarter of what it's already been pumped up by. The answer always, for everybody, if we were a solutions-based shell, which we are, you just need to know that this is not a political point. The answer to helping America is to produce that fuel here, but the answer to helping the environment, which to be honest, I I don't even care. It's like if people can't fill up their car, they can't afford groceries, they don't feel safe going to the store I don't care about climate change. I just don't. If that's reckless of me, if that's selfish of me, I'm just putting myself in the position of the people who are suffering the most right now. You know, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, if you're living passenger to passenger, as I was as a cab driver, I promise you I wasn't going home at night. When I couldn't afford gas or goods and there wasn't any baby formula on the shelf for Lincoln, I wouldn't have been going home at night going, yeah, but if we could just do something about the weather in 50 years. You know the weather's getting warmer. It's bad. It's it's you know if we could just focus on that, nobody cares. Shut up. But if we wanted to really placate the environmental wing of this country, okay, if we actually wanted to make the environment cleaner, and again, we care about the planet. I'm not saying let's ruin it. This is not you know, I'm not asking you to treat the planet like Led Zeppelin treated a hotel room. We're not <laughs> riding dirt bikes through the lobby. You're not going to find a goat <laughs> wandering around eating furniture. That's not what I'm asking for. But the point is, if you want to prioritize the environment, you would produce the oil here. You would produce the fuel here. Why? Because we burn it cleaner than the rest of the world. Oh, wow. See, that's the scam of right now. This is my frustration, okay? You're getting killed at the gas pump. Yo, I'm getting killed at the gas pump. I filled up my Bronco. It was bananas, man. I told you I paid five eighty-five. 585, dude. This is—it's crazy. It would actually be cheaper at this point to just make my car run on beer, which I don't. <laughs> I don't advise that. They actually. Nancy Pelosi's husband tried that over the weekend. It ended with him in handcuffs. But the point is, I mean, really think about where we are. I'm paying 585 a gallon, dude. You're getting annihilated right now. Okay, I'm getting annihilated. We're all getting annihilated right now. And, and looking at it from that standpoint, knowing that we have an answer, that we have something that could solve the problem right here in America, but we're not doing it because we're concerned with the environment, the environmental impact. America's cutting emissions. But you understand we're increasing emissions. This is just basic logic. It's not a political point. When we cut production here and buy it elsewhere, Okay, that means our consumption doesn't change. Let's just give you, I'll give you a round number. Let's say we were really consuming 100 barrels of oil a day, just a nice round number, 100 barrels of oil. That's what we consume every day. Okay, let's assume that's the case. Now, if we consume all 100 of that barrels here in America, okay, a place that burns fuel 42% cleaner than the rest of the world, you understand, we've helped the environment. But because we want to virtue signal and say, no, no, we're not the ones causing the emissions. We want to lay claim to the fact that we're cutting emissions. But it's smoke and mirrors because we're now getting that 100 barrels a day from a country that burns at 42 percent filthier. You understand the consumption doesn't change. The only way you're actually helping the environment is if we drove down the consumption, which is their long term goal. They want to switch you over to an electric car. But electric cars are one percent of the vehicles on the road right now, which means the infrastructure isn't even there to make the switch, let alone the charging stations, let alone all the chicanery about the batteries and the cost. And again and again and again, if you have five, you know, you don't have five eighty five for a gallon of gas. You don't have fifty seven thousand dollars for an electric car. That's just reality. But they'll keep pushing electric cars because that's their long term goal. But you understand for them to reach their long term goal that means they don't give a rat's behind about your short and suffering.
4: He's a lousy dad, but he's right.
3: That's the reality we're living in. But you understand. So we're getting beat at the pump by these idiots who want to lay claim to the fact that they're saving the environment. But they're making it filthier. You dig? We consume that 100 barrels a gallon. You know, here, it's cleaner. If we consume that same 100, but we produce 60 of it on the other side of the world... It's now dirtier. It's now exponentially dirtier. So this is the stupidity of this moment. And the reason it's so frustrating and the reason the president is, is such a loser for him and they don't get it is they're playing to a portion of the room. that's not affected by anything they're doing. Like, do you remember when they were yelling for defund the police, but they were all holding on to their own police details? They're like, No, defund the police. We can't have them. They're a bunch of racists. And then they got caught spending a quarter of a million dollars on their own security. And what did Corey Bush say?
8: I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending $200,000, if I spend $10, $10, $10 more on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets because we're trying to save lives.
5: What would you do with a brain if
8: you
7: had one?
3: Defund the police has to happen because we're trying to save lives. Do you understand no, no, we're trying to save them? We want less good guys on the street, more bad guys, because we're trying to save lives. That's stupid.
7: Use your common sense.
3: Say it all the time. America doesn't have a crime problem, has a stupid problem. Stupid people got elected and convinced a percentage of the electorate that the police posed a bigger threat to society than the criminals they were sworn to protect us against. That's a stupid problem, not a crime problem. Cops could shut it down tomorrow. Very capable. Same goes with fuel. We don't have a fuel crisis. We have a stupid crisis. Stupid people want to be able to claim that we're cutting emissions here by producing less fuel. So you understand we will produce less fuel. We will lay claim to the fact that we're cutting emissions and we're helping the environment but we're consuming the same amount of fuel. We're actually consuming even more fuel. Why? Because we're now getting it shipped here from other parts of the world, which requires fuel to actually get it here. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. So you understand we have increased consumption and we have increased emissions. Okay. And only a stupid person thinks that's a way to help the environment. You're making the environment worse. And you're making the gas prices go up, up, and away. But again, you know, there's an election coming. There's, you know, it's going to be a comeuppance for these people. But I can't take any solace in that. This is not a political talk show, meaning we talk politics. But I don't just get out of bed every day being like, God, I hope the Republicans win. I don't care who wins as long as the country wins. But the bottom line is the country is losing right now. They're not winning. They're losing. Okay? The only thing they're hoping to win is a scratch off at the gas station so they can finally go back outside and afford a tank of gas.
8: Well, she's got her daddy's car. She's not cruising because she can't afford gas now. She forgot that Joe Biden screwed up So we pay out the ass now And with the fuel crisis lasting She's losing cause she can't make no plans now She'll have no fun, 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 till her daddy votes the liberals away. No fun, 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 till her daddy votes the liberals well, away. Well, the girl is stranded, cause we can't drill for oil any place now. now. Can't drill any Meantime we buy at fun. Countries whose leaders are a total disgrace. A total now disgrace now a total disgrace. A lot of lies from Jan Saki and she tells them to us with a straight face you like now. Your face now. You like She'll your face. have no fun, 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 till her daddy votes the liberals no away. Fun,
2: don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back.
3: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Going to be rapping with Daniel Turner. Is the founder and executive director of Power the Future, energy expert, he cares about the price you're paying at the pump. He's there for you. He feels your pain. Remember Bill, remember Bill Clinton? I'll feel your pain. He feels your pain. I feel Nathan's pain. He is on the line in Fresno, California. And I was just told by our call screener, Nathan, did you pay six eighty eight for a gallon of gas? Yeah. I didn't
1: notice that my tank was low and the only gas station was Chevron, and and they're always like more expensive, anyways. But, but yeah, I
4: paid dollars a
3: gallon. No, does it? Is it served by like a topless dancer? Like you're an adult establishment? Because it should
4: be.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it should come with a free drink or, or something. But, yeah, uh, I feel it. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, God. Yeah. Hey, uh, another question is: When are you going to mm-hmm. come back with uh, daycare and strip
3: club? Strip club daycare? Oh, Nathan, <laughs> you are an original gangster listener. If you're listening to strip club and daycare, because day. that's like, oh, Nathan, you're a hero for that. Listen, we actually do need to bring it back. I keep telling everybody, like, you know, the news cycle is going to lighten up, and we'll bring it back. But here's the newsflash: the news cycle is not going to lighten up, so we should just bring it back, right? Oh, we totally right, gonna... need that. We totally need the All humor, right. and Jenny, Jenny needs to come on more. She's awesome. Yo, I got to tell you, she's a good Eggman. Um, I do believe she's going to kill me in my sleep at some point. So uh, if we're going to make this happen, <laughs> if we're going to make this happen, I got to book her sooner than later because I don't know what the shelf life is at this point. But uh, that's really funny. I'll, I'll pass along the compliments. And if you like the game, Nathan, maybe what we'll do, right? Is we'll turn it into like a play along where people can call in and compete for a prize. Like you have to compete against Jenny or something. Cause she was very good at that, you know? For a woman who claims You're she really doesn't good. frequent, yeah, she claims she doesn't frequent any of these establishments, but she never got the <laughs> strip clubs wrong. <laughs> I always every got it wrong. Time. Every
1: time you said a daycare or a strip club, I thought it was a daycare.
3: <laughs> for every, all right. So for everybody, that's so funny. For everybody listening at home, we were playing a game when we first launched the show. It was called Strip Club or Daycare, and the point was I would give you the name of an establishment, and you had to tell me if it was a strip club or a daycare because all the names sound the same. It would be like lollipops, the toy box, the playground, you know, the treasure chest, and, and it's hard to know. <laughs> and it was a fun game to play. So Nathan, I'm telling you, man, that's actually. Good. Good programming on your part. Uh, we'll bring it back, and I'll owe you a shout out when we do. If you don't get the shout out, at least call in to remind me and, and compete, and, and we'll do this. You know what I mean? Because if I'm gonna yeah. if I'm gonna wreck the, if I'm gonna wreck the show because you've talked me into this crazy <laughs> idea, you should at least you should at least go down with the ship. You and your seven dollar gas, okay, Nathan? I'll totally be there. Thanks, Jimmy. Love the show. Good stuff, bro. You got it. I'll see you. See ya at the merry-go-round. Is it a strip club or a daycare? Every that was the game. That's actually, like, it's so funny, but this show is, like, it's so organic. Everything you hear on the show is born out of some bizarre life experience. And Strip Club or Daycare, my wife invented that game because we were at one point contemplating sending Lincoln to a daycare when he was young. And she was flipping through uh, this. No one's ever even heard of this. There used to be this thing called the phone book. It's actually a book with numbers of businesses you could fo- you could call. You know, if you're listening and you're under the age of 40, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But we were literally going through the phone book looking at daycares in our area, and she's like, every one of these sounds like a strip club. They all have these weird names, you know, like the dollhouse, you know, and like, oh, wow, and, and thus a game was born. Uh, we've been ordered at gunpoint by HR to stop playing it. But who knows? Maybe they'll take an early Friday one day this summer, and we'll bring it back for Nathan. Daniel Turner back after this. It is box Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I am, of course, broadcasting the legendary studios of WIBX up in Utica, New York. This next guest asked me to go to dinner with him when he's actually in town in New York, New York, I believe, which is next month. Uh, I prefer to go someplace safer like Beirut, uh, but I'll probably take him up on it because we love Daniel Turner. He's the founder and executive director of Power of the Future, and he is here now. Yo, Daniel Turner.
10: Jimmy, thanks for having me on, my friend. It's great to be with you, and I look forward to having dinner with you. Don't you know? forget, I am a native New Yorker, so I'm, I'm, i am i got to go home every now and then and see Mom and Dad.
3: No, no, I want you to see Mom and Dad. I'm just thinking, like, of all the places for me and you to go have dinner, why don't we go to, like, Mariupol or something, like, a little bit less violent than New York is right now? It's so bad, man.
10: Well, you—if if we went there, also we could we could have guns, uh, whereas you can't
3: anywhere else in this <laughs> no! country. So all right, hold we could be well I going to jump in. With... I'm going I'm to jump right in on that, okay? Because we're all in the same—we're all in the head—the same headspace right now. We all have to—you know—we're here. We're going to talk about fuel and gas as a problem. But yes, we all watched the Biden speech last night. I talked about it for a little bit at the top of the show. It's like we're sending weapons. All over the world right now. And then turning around with a straight (laughs) face and being like, you don't need weapons. Why would anybody want weapons? I don't understand. What's the big deal with weapons? And everybody goes, yeah, well, you know, there's a big difference. Ukraine has to defend themselves. Yeah. And what if we have to defend ourselves? Like, we're not the crazy ones, Turner. That's the point. No, we're not, and I mean,
10: in this, this, it, it's a tragic issue. It's very hard to talk about because it immediately appeals to emotions, and then you start screaming mm-hmm. at each other. But, but one member of Congress was talking about this notion that schools need a single entry point. is absolutely absurd. Uh, it's never possible. And I wanted to say, uh, Congressman, when you go to work, uh, do you notice how hard it is to get into the Capitol? There are very few entrances, and every entrance is a checkpoint. I'm not saying we need yep. checkpoints with metal detectors, which, sadly, a lot of public schools in, in, in the inner city um, do have metal detectors, but they have single uh-huh. checkpoints in Congress. You can't just open willy-nilly yep. all those beautiful doors that the architect designed. So uh, yep. I don't understand why you all have such great security, but, but kids don't. It's uh, just kind of a, a question I'd, I'd love for them it. to answer.
3: They won't answer it. It's kind of like when they were yelling defund the police and then they all got caught with police details. It's like, no, cops are bad. Well, if you excuse me, I've got to pay these 10 armed guards. You know, all, it's all—it's a lot of hypocrisy. Like, you get it. I and get it, it. It's crazy.
10: It, absolutely. And it's the same with, with the whole green agenda, right? We all have to give up our fossil fuels. Now, excuse me while I jump on my private jet. I mean, Joe Biden spends every weekend in <laughs> Delaware. He has no problem gassing up Air Force One. He doesn't care what the price is because he's not getting handed the bill. Um, but, but we're all supposed to reduce our carbon footprint. You want to say, well, A, how about you just hang out in the in the White House for the weekend, maybe do your job, um, but, but yeah. maybe just say, like, I'm going to stay home this weekend because of climate change, but that doesn't ever enter his calculation. Maybe John Kerry could not spend some time traveling around the world on his private jet for climate change, but that doesn't enter into the calculation. So, you know, it's it's something we saw very common with the um, the, the the mask mandates and the lockdowns, how every po- you know leftist politician violated them. If we continue to have two sets of rules, one set of rules for the elites and one for the masses, we're headed towards the French Revolution. And
3: it's it's so crazy. Daniel Turner's on the line, and it is. There was this wild poll this week that showed like half of the Republicans think we're on the verge of a civil war. I was like, good gosh, that we're even thinking to take this poll. But people feel that way. Like, I still contend, Daniel, I'm not nervous. I, we're the laziest country in the world, and the only way we're having a civil war is if someone makes an app where you can actually fight one on. I, I think I think Fortnite, I think Call of Duty is the civil war, hopefully, and hopefully I'm right on that. But people are definitely frustrated. There's no question about it, and they, they have every right to be frustrated because even in this moment, okay, fuel prices, okay, you know – When you hear something like we're begging OPEC to ramp up production and they're going to increase production, oh, I don't know, by about 248,000 barrels a day, more than we initially thought. Weren't you the one that explained to me that boosting, uh, you know, not boosting, but looting the strategic oil reserves by a million barrels a day didn't actually do anything to lower prices, did it? No, it didn't. I mean, since Biden has done that several times now,
10: we've just seen prices go up and up. So he intrinsically understands we have a supply problem, right? We we It's a basic formulation of economics. Uh, the price is high. The demand hasn't changed. We have to increase the supply. He gets it. He's tried to increase supply by tapping into the strategic reserves. Hasn't worked. Now he's trying to increase supply by going to OPEC+. plus. Um, and, you know, the Iranians, when they earn a couple hundred million dollars more every week in, in production prices – I'm sure they're going to put all that money towards you know, you know know girls' education and and transgender <laughs> awareness. It is Pride Month after all, so I'm sure they will make a huge – they'll take their surplus funds and do good around the world, right? Um, what will Let's, Venezuela do with this. all that? Yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah go
6: ahead. No, off. exactly. Sorry,
10: that's my point. What will Venezuela do with more money? Um, so, <laughs> yeah. What, I know. Anyone but
3: America is allowed to produce more oil. Well, that's the point. All right, so the point I was making earlier – is that we're actually consuming more fuel filthier by do, by importing it this way. Because not only do we burn it cleaner than everybody else, but if we're buying everybody else's filthy fuel, it requires fuel to ship it here, does it not?
10: Yes, absolutely. That was the whole purpose of Keystone, which I, I yeah. argue with people still nonstop, is that the oil that comes from Canada, we've been importing for, for decades, quite frankly, but it comes mm-hmm. on railroad cars. and the railroad car can only bring around you know 60,000 barrels uh 60,000 yeah barrels per per, per ride um, but Keystone could have sent uh 850,000 barrels a day and so yeah. yes we could get a lot more oil via the pipeline than via the railroad car but the railroad also has to burn around 70,000 barrels gallons of diesel and and Keystone <clears throat> Keystone doesn't require any diesel and so if you look at the economic balance you say hang on I am getting a lot more oil a day without having to burn any diesel. Well, this makes some sense. That's why they were building the damn pipeline to begin with. So you're right. If we're going to get more oil from Saudi Arabia, we've got to put it on cargo ships, and we've got to tank it across the Atlantic. And now you're going through the Straits of Hormuz. We're playing all these games again, right? Now you just need a bunch of Iranians on a little dinghy with a machine gun, and then we close the Straits of Hormuz for a couple of weeks. And so we're back to – we're back to 1977,
3: yay! Well, Except there's no disco. <laughs> well, lucky, luckily, as you said, Iran isn't going to be on the dinghies with guns because they're celebrating Pride Month right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, they they throw a Pride parade in Iran just to see who shows up, and then they arrest them. It's like we have no perspective <laughs> over here. You know what I mean? Do you remember a year ago where there was like one chapter of the Pride movement out in Denver was banning police from coming to their Pride parade? And I was like, you can't claim oppression if you can ban police from showing up to your event. If you have the power to tell police they're not allowed to come, you're not oppressed. Because if you sell a pride parade in Iran, the cops are coming whether you invite them or not, no? Yeah,
10: exactly. So, and, and it's funny. You you look at all the corporations that have have changed their logo this month. But their Middle East chapters—it's all over social media. For any of your your great listeners, the Middle East uh, BMW, Middle East Nestle, Middle East Disney—they no no change, They're no recognition nope. because. It, 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 incurs a little bit too much risk than they're willing to take. And so it, it, if you can only, you know, stand for something when there's no risk involved, then you're really not standing for it to begin with. Right. So let's just be yes, honest about that. It's all
3: good. It's grandstanding. It's not standing. It's grandstanding. It really is. I mean, Disney's <laughs> a good example of that. It's like when you look where Disney does business, they're like, we're mad at Florida for what they pretend is a don't-say-gay bill. Meanwhile, back at the wrist, they're literally doing business in countries that criminalize gay activity, which is crazy. But that's, you know, that's why we can't have nice things. I wanted to ask you this. Yeah. Okay. The Marines took a little bit of a beating this week, and rightfully so. They released a meme to celebrate Pride Month, where it was the helmet from Full Metal Jacket, the Born to Kill helmet, now had rainbow bullets in it. Because that's where we are now as a military. We're putting "Hate Has No Home Here" stickers on our tanks because that'll help win a war. Do you feel? Do you ever feel pandered to as a gay American? Me and you never have this conversation. But where are you on this? Because I know obviously we prioritize inclusion, and you must be thankful for all the progress and acceptance that we've made. But are we at a point now where you're kind of being pandered to?
10: Oh, I just want to be left the hell alone. Quite frankly, <laughs> it's, just, it's,
3: it's, it's, it's so it's, you're it's, like even this question, Jimmy. Just shut up. <laughs>
10: absolutely it's just it's just absolutely exhausting and and it's just frustrating as hell because like any other movement belief institution it's completely co-opted by the radical left and the radical Mm. left are are absolutely insane and so you get lumped in with it and they say well this is what it means and i don't know what the hell this means i'm sure there's a lot of members of the military who looked at that and said why do i have to i don't want to get lumped in with that and and so yeah, for for me, I can even say for my husband, we just kind of want to be left the hell alone, um, and it's it's really frustrating that that the 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 left movement that has taken over, you know, this agenda is just shoving things down the throats of. of of, of america quite frankly mm-hmm. and you know and then there's all the really really gross grooming aspect with kids and i don't know what oh. any of that has to do with pride month um, <laughs> the only kids i'm concerned about right now are the nine-year-old <laughs> girls working in slave labor camps to make solar panels you know they're the kids yeah. i'm very much concerned about but we don't care yeah. about those kids you know work
3: harder N- damn it now you're not getting a word for those guys i mean the nike motto of just do it is that's what they say to the six-year-olds in the factory like for my hands hurt just do it get going it's terrible and 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 we laugh but it's like people would get mad at us for telling the joke but i'm like we're not the bad guys it's the guys actually employing children they're the bad guys no would you just just agree with me on that yeah let me get your take on this you actually don't have to agree but my I, i always rank in my head the most pandering infuriating gestures made in our society and the things that bother me the most are when white liberals Try to redefine other cultures for them, and the term I want to get to is Latinx or Latinx or whatever you know people pronounce it as. Did you ever see this polling that two percent of the Latino community knows what the word Latinx is? Yet white liberals use it in every single press release they ever write. Yeah,
10: yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think uh, you know since it's since Spanish is a, is a gendered language. It should be mm-hmm. Latinx a and Latinx o, right? So Latinx a <laughs> for females and for males, you're a Latinx o, and then it would be accurate. And I'm sure that's what they will start doing. Yeah, I mean it. It, it is not. It, it is not gender unaffirming that the romance uh-huh. language has male and female nouns. I mean that's just the way the language, and they and they don't find it offensive. They don't find it threatening to the non-binary questioning community. It's just that's yeah. the way the language has evolved over. 2000 years. Um, But yes, it's at the white liberal class. Thank God for brown poetry majors who have come up with all of these (laughs) rules that we have to follow. I'm so happy to be paying their student loans.
3: (laughs) Well, and you know, I bring it up, Daniel Turner, to bring it full circle as a native New Yorker who's coming back to town to see his parents and and going out to dinner with me, that's going to be a rowdy one, is our New York Yankees. They took a lot of heat last Friday yeah. because they were tweeting about gun violence for the day. And they opened with a tweet about the Latinx community. And everybody in the Bronx was like, who are the Latinx people? What is that? Is that like some kind of a sleep aid? What is it? I've never heard of it. Yeah. And, and, uh, and they had it's sad. yet to apologize.
10: You know, they've apologized for everything else, but they have yet to apologize for Kevin Brown. So, you know what, until you <laughs> uh, until you apologize, I think we're still paying his salary, actually. So until you oh. apologize
3: for that. Uh,
10: uh, yeah, I don't want to hear you anything talk else about... about your beliefs on gun violence.
3: <laughs> you want to tell me funny story about, you know, selling someone the dream and Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown, of course, was famously the Game 7 starter. Uh, when the Red Sox came down from '03 3 and beat us in 2004 en route to their World Series, you know, erasing the curse of the Bambino, all of that. I was at that game. I was sitting in the upper deck on the first baseline with my brother and my mom. And uh, obviously the Yankees losing three straight. We all had this feeling of inevitability that they were going to get beat in Game 7. You know, Game 6 was the awful game. I was at that game, too, where A-Rod slapped the ball out of the first baseman's glove. I think it was Kevin Euclid in that Bush League play, and we wound up losing it to go game seven. So here we are at game seven, and it's freezing. But we were, we bought in, because Kevin Brown took the mound that night, Daniel Turner, with no sleeves on and I was like oh this guy is so jacked up on winstrol or whatever they were shooting him up with on the Padres he doesn't even feel the 12 degree weather this guy's throwing a perfect game he was out of the game in the first inning yes. <laughs> he just never looked back we love Johnny, Johnny when i Damon turned off the like, tv yeah. You, yeah. Did you sit there and watch the whole game? I think I turned
10: off the TV at the end of the first inning. I was like, "That's it. Like, I know we won. I know we lost. I just, yeah, it was, it was, it was a done deal." Yes, yeah, but they no, are very yeah. concerned about Latinx community. And and <laughs> gun violence. Um, oh man, all the woke gender terms the in the world. So, yes, there, there's a ton of gay pandering. But I also have to ask. I'd love, you know, this is a question probably more for Candace Owens than me. But I mean, more people die in inner cities every weekend than than have than have died in these terrible school shootings. And the president hasn't ever taken to a live broadcast, uh, prime time, nope. to talk about gun violence. And so I'd love to ask, you know, another community that is often pandered to. um, Do you ever feel like no one cares about your violence? I mean, how many times do you read in the New York Post? You know, a two year old kid was shot to death. uh, An eight year old kid was shot to death. There's never any primetime speech uh, about about them. So, yeah, the pandering, you know what, gays and and, and blacks just keep voting Democrat and do what you need to. And then otherwise, no one really cares about your issues.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. If it's not a politically viable death. It doesn't count. And it is. It's crazy. I mean, you get it. I get it. I I do feel like there's a sea change underway in the country and that a lot of people have woken up to the charade. I think a lot of people do see it now. That's why you see polls of, like, Democrats losing 26 points with Latino voters. Even double digits with black voters is substantial because those are two voting blocks they won't win elections without. And, frankly, they don't deserve to win elections with, you know. So hopefully that sea change is underway uh hopefully our yankees stop pandering hopefully you do make it to new york we go out for that fancy dinner you promised me daniel turner's a lot of sweet talk in this friendship uh but we'll we'll see if you come through in the clutch don't forget i gave you a good bottle of whiskey once didn't i you did and there's a chick-fil-a across the street from your office so you know you can get the combo <laughs> meal jimmy if you babe so. you, you gonna treat me like royalty and bring me to white castle is that what you're telling me turner all right i'm in either way we'll storm the castle daniel turner you're the best have a good weekend brother Thanks, Jimmy. Always a pleasure. My man. There he goes, the great Daniel Turner. There we go. Back after this.
10: The show that loves you like a sibling.
2: We'll always be brothers. It's Fox Across America with brother Jimmy Fallon.
3: Oh, girl. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Holding it down on a Friday. We're up in Utica, New York. Going to be at the Fat Cats Comedy Club tonight. And then two weeks, two weeks from today, if you're listening on WVMT up in Vermont, we will be at a joint called the Spanked Puppy. Doing a meet and greet after the show. We're broadcasting live from VMT Friday, June the 17th. So if you happen to be in that area, come hang out. It's going to get rowdy. Uh, If you're not in either of these two areas next week, hang out with me on TV. We'll be on the radio every day. And, of course, next week I'll be at America's Newsroom. I'll be on Gutfeld uh, a week from today on Friday. Harris Faulkner on Tuesday. Who knows, maybe even a little Tucker action on Wednesday. You don't know. That's the joy of what we do on this show. You just don't know. You know, basically at Fox, I'm like a guy in a bullpen. You know, they just call you up. "Eh, We got guys on second and third. Can you come in and talk about the debt ceiling? You know, stuff like that. So you never know when the phone's going to ring, where you're going to go, what you're going to have to do, and that's kind of the joy of right now is uh, you guys are on this ride with me. It's really cool that I have all you guys riding shotgun. Guys, gals, theys, thems. And uh, I'm basically buttering you up because I'm like three days behind returning all your Facebook messages. But if you are messaging me on the Fox Across America Facebook page, uh, there will be uh, a roundup over this weekend. I've just got to get through five stand-up comedy shows and uh, a little more radio. We're on our way. It's going to be a good time. So 888-788-9910 if you want a piece of the next hour. Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich. Wants a piece of the next hour. He's going to take us inside a little bit of uh, media malfeasance when it comes to not only this gun discussion, but a discussion about January 6th that the Democrats are trying to ramp up as the biggest existential threat to our country is January 6th. Democrats are so full of crap. I agree.
2: Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
3: Here we go, here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting today from the luxurious studios of WIBX up here in Utica, New York. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Fired up to bring you an embarrassment of radio riches in this hour, Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich. Makes a triumphant return to the show. Wants to discuss Second Amendment rights, which are very much under attack by a president who says the amendment is not absolute. The thing that's written in the Constitution, that's not permanent. However, abortion, something that is not written in the Constitution, they want you to believe is an unalienable right. I don't think a lot of people would agree with that. Uh, But your goal, uh, your job on this show anyway, is not to agree. It's just to, you know, as I say every day, be a Republican on this show. You can be a Democrat. Just don't be a That is all we ask. But, you know, I was saying this the other day. Do you Remember the uh, song by America, A Horse With No Name? I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. Fox Cross America is a horse with one rule. So that we have no name. We just have the one rule. You know, just, just be cool, man. We don't care. You don't have to agree with me. I, You know, I hope for your own sake you don't agree with me most days because I'm a hot mess. That's the whole point of your radio, buddy. Okay, we lead flaw first on this show. Okay, sadly, though, my flaws are not the issue in this country right now. Uh, but the flaws of the way we're politicking, it's having such an adverse effect on all of us. I said this when I launched the show. I was like, you know, when I actually found out, like, oh, I was getting my own radio show. Wow, that's crazy, man. It's, you can't imagine. The guy was, like, driving a cab and telling jokes. What a big deal this job is to me. It's a big deal. So I really thought about, like, when it came to that moment that, like, I was getting a show, like, it was official. All 77 other people turned it down or wanted too much money, and they were like, fine, we'll get a failure shot. And that's great. I don't care. I have no ego. You know, I got the gig. I'm happy. Uh, But the point is uh, I I really gave so much thought into how I thought I could help because I knew I was going to be reaching so many people. And I knew I spent so much time consuming talk radio in a taxi that I was like, what is it about, you know, a radio show that really helped me? And what helped me is, you know, when it was a, you know, force multiplier of positive energy, it made my work day go by faster. It was something I looked forward to, something I enjoyed. But, you know, there were a lot of shows that I listened to and agreed with that got me angry or, you know, left me frustrated because the hosts were angry. They just wanted you to hate one side of the aisle. And where I thought I could make a difference on this show is if I could just restore any, not necessarily decorum, because we're not classy. There's a lot of cheap shots and You know, filthy jokes and low blows and drug references and all kinds of chicanery goes on on the show because we're just trying to take the issues seriously without taking ourselves seriously. And I say that because I saw the country get to this place in the last four or five years where it became so hyper partisan. For a lot of people, it was more important for their party to win than it was for their country to win. We started rooting for the party harder than we were rooting for the country. And when that became like the, you know, the status quo way of politics in this country, I was like, man, we've really got to try to do whatever we can to get away from that because you don't actually improve the quality of anything. I mean, what can you tell me is better now in this country than it was, you know, the day Biden took office? Nothing. I mean, literally nothing. Not inflation, not gas, not baby formula, not crime, not the border, certainly not foreign policy. It's all a mess. But it's a mess because that election was the end result of what? We elected a guy who had no idea what he was doing, who was famous. He had spent, he's he been in Washington since Washington. You understand? This guy? This guy's in his late hundreds. And we knew on the way in that his own party didn't think anything of him. Barack Obama didn't think anything of him. I mean, he's, Joe, understand this. Joe Biden was Barack Obama's vice president for eight years years. I don't remember that ever happening. And Barack Obama still didn't endorse him for the presidential nomination until 22 other candidates had dropped out, meaning he wanted know part of this guy. But we ultimately got this guy. Why? Because it was more important for the Democratic Party, at least to that side of the country, to get a win than it was to help the country. People say this all the time. They're like, oh, you know, whenever you tweet a criticism of Biden on social media, People would be like, Trump lost. Get over it, pal. Like, it doesn't have to do anything with Trump. You're not tweeting about Trump. But there are so many people on Twitter and on social media who devote the entirety of their day to hating Donald Trump so they don't have to look inward at the things that they hate about themselves. You're absolutely right. But you understand, whenever you tweet a criticism of Biden, you know, they respond with "Like Trump lost. Get over it. And I'm like, yo, dude, honestly, think about that. Inflation's at a. 40-year high, way worse than it was under Trump. Gas prices at an all-time high, $2 worse than they were under Trump. Border crossings are down 80% under Trump. They're now at an all-time high, as are fentanyl overdose poisoning deaths. Okay, you understand, Trump didn't lose in 2020. America did when it comes to 2020. Trump didn't lose. (laughs) You know, we all lost, every single one of us. It's bad. And the reason we wound up in this position, and I'm not here to defend Donald Trump. I don't run the Donald Trump Radio Defense Fund. But the point I'm trying to make is we wound up in this position because getting political wins was more important than getting national wins, getting societal wins. And that's why in the summer of 2020, when they were burning down 12 cities, calling it you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, CNN famously told us, fiery but mostly peaceful protests.
1: People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards.
3: Such a good drop. But when that was going on, they were trying to tell us with a straight face, no, no, this is a good thing. You don't understand. The fact that all these cities are on fire, that's a good thing. The fact that they did $2 billion in property damage to mostly black-owned businesses, that's a good thing. The fact that 42 people died at these protests, no, that's a good thing. You don't understand. Because we've got to defund the police. That's a good thing. Less cops, more criminals. Good thing. It's not a good thing. The murder rate is exponentially higher. It's worse. We're in a bad spot because we were just siding with anything that would get our party a win. Okay, certainly on the left because they just hated Trump so much. But to some extent on the right, too, there's a lot of times where we'll overlook the misdeeds in our own party if we think it'll help us, you know, be the libs, you know, but I don't get on the air every day trying to be the difference maker in some type of societal fight for power. You know, I want to be on the air every day as the guy who reminds you how lucky you are to live here, who tells you we need to put the party ahead of the country ahead of the party anyway, which we're just not doing. And I bring it up because I got to talk to you really quickly about January 6th. Peter Navarro being held in contempt of court by Congress. He's been on the show before. I mean, what a wacko bird on the show. He had a book to sell, but he came on and just pulled the goalie. It was actually great radio. He just came on and just started. (laughs) If you remember the episode, he was just annihilating. I mean, just absolutely annihilating Dr. Anthony Fauci.
4: Fauci's just pulling stuff out of his butt.
3: And essentially that was Navarro's contention just annihilating the guy, and he was like, you know, drunk on power bureaucrat, and they shut down the economy, and they kind of helped upend the Trump presidency and, uh, you know, turned the whole world upside down, how you shop, how you go to school or don't go to school, how you go to church or don't go to school, how you go to meetings. You know, Zoom became a thing. Like, the whole world changed, turned it upside down, Uh, and Navarro was pretty candid about how he thought that was for the worst. He thought the bureaucrats had too much power, and I consider it a great radio. I mean, uh, you know, for, for whatever it's worth. Uh, but he just got held in contempt of court by Congress today and arrested for it, something that doesn't actually ever happen. Very, uh, <laughs> it's not common for this to actually happen. Uh, but, of course, he's on the Trump side of town, so they're prosecuting him to the highest extent of the law. But I only bring it up because they're trying now to ramp up the interest in the January 6th trial. And the Democrats have announced, and this is so fascinating because, again, we're talking about rooting for your party over your country, the January 6th hearings. Okay, the committee is going to start it off next week during the 8 p.m. time slot. So they're going to hold these hearings in prime time because they want as many people watching them on TV as possible. Now, ask yourself this question. Is this a is this a investigation wholly dedicated to getting the truth of what happened on January 6th? Or is this an organization, is this a committee looking to weaponize the events of January 6th to socially pressure, slander anyone who pulled the lever as a Republican and shame them into ever doing so again? We know the answer because when it comes to January 6th, we don't even need an investigation. Like we know how it happened. We watched it in real time. I was on the air. I'm like, hey, this is horrible. You can't do this. You storm storming the Capitol. You're not a Republican. You know, you're not a Democrat. You're a <laughs> – Okay. But understand, that wasn't a coup attempt. You don't overthrow the most powerful government in the world with a bunch of unarmed people in Chewbacca bikinis. But that's what they did. And they tried to tell you after the fact, it was a deadly white supremacist insurrection. So deadly that the only person killed, and one is certainly too many, was an unarmed Trump supporter by the name of Ashley Babbitt shot in the throat by a Capitol Police officer. Could you imagine a world where an unarmed female Democratic protester is shot in the throat by police. And that itself doesn't lead to another year of protests. I mean, it'd be insane. But that's the double standard we're living in. When there's a double standard, there's no standard. But do you understand, again, why the double standard does exist? It's because the party is more important than the country. January 6th is terrible. But January 6th is not a a top 50 threat in this country. No matter what the Democrats tell you, meaning people storming the Capitol again, the people storming the Capitol wouldn't have been a thing that day if they had it adequately policed as the request was made prior to Trump's rally, which he shouldn't have had. I told him to stop the steel rally. should have been speaking at a rally down the, down the block from the Capitol simply because of the potential for things to go wrong. Yes, it's his right to do it. But I was on the air that day saying, oh, it's a dumb idea. It's a bad idea. Why are you doing this? Not a good idea. Not a good look for Trump. OK, because you're not going to win in the court of public opinion. You're not going to actually create interest in election integrity. By just getting out there and saying it's stolen. You know, if getting to the heart of election integrity was the issue, you don't. You go out of your way to avoid a January 6th because armed with a January 6th, as the Democrats are, they now use this as an excuse not to examine election integrity. Okay, understand, they didn't storm the Capitol because they were a bunch of white supremacists. Okay, they stormed the Capitol because they didn't trust the outcome of the election. Why didn't they trust the outcome of the election? Because we had just gone through four full years of the Democrats showing us that nothing was beneath them when it came to stopping Donald Trump. Nothing. Okay, they told you the 2016 election was stolen. Told you for four years the 2016 election was stolen. The voting machines were hacked. Dude, I've played you this stuff on the show with them flat out telling you, you know, okay, here's the voting machine. Here's the Democrats, the Democrats telling you the voting machines were hacked. Are you ready? I continue
6: to think that our voting machines are too vulnerable.
0: In 2018, electronic voting machines in Georgia and Texas deleted votes for certain candidates or switched votes from one candidate to another. The
6: biggest seller of voting machines is doing something that violates cybersecurity 101, directing that you install remote access software, which would make a machine like that You know, a magnet for fraudsters and hackers. These voting machines can be hacked quite
4: easily.
0: You could easily hack into them. It makes it seem like all these states are doing different things, but in fact, three companies are controlling this. There are a lot of states
8: that are dealing with antiquated machines, right, which are vulnerable to being hacked.
6: Workers were able to easily hack into an electronic voting machine. It was possible to switch votes. Forty-three percent of American voters use voting machines that researchers have found have serious security flaws including back doors.
3: We know how vulnerable now our systems were. We know, I know the hackathon that took place last year where virtually every machine was broken into fairly quickly.
0: I actually held a demonstration for my colleagues here at the Capitol um, where we brought in um, folks who before our eyes hacked election machines. Um, Those that are not, those that are being used in many states.
8: She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two faced, mealy mouthed politician who swings with the wind.
3: Did you hear that montage? Virtually every machine was hacked in 2016. Again, all of the things, all of the things, man, okay, that they're, you know, want you to be mad at Republicans for. Like Trump saying the election was stolen with no proof. Doesn't have a lot of proof, okay? And you can't be out there. Being the thing that you hate, but do you understand the Capitol? January sixth happened not because it was a coup trying to overthrow the government. What the January sixth, you know, attack was for all intents and purposes, and I'm not condoning it on any level. It is disgusting. But it was the end of the movie Animal House. The fraternity realized they had been banned, and now they were just ruining the homecoming parade. I'm not saying it's good, but I am saying if we're going to talk about you know mostly peaceful protests, ninety nine percent of the people there were in fact mostly peaceful. Okay, there was a lot of bad stuff that went on that I cannot condone. But the one thing none of us have done in the wake of January 6th is examined the issue that caused this distrust. It was caused by a Mueller probe that we now know was bought and paid for, fully funded by the Clinton campaign. It was opposition research that created the Steele dossier that the FBI then leaked for the sole purposes of saying we need to address this and have a special counsel, which they did and held the country hostage for three years, knowing full well they weren't going to find collusion because they knew they were the source of the rumor. You see, the Mueller probe wasn't designed to find collusion. The process was the punishment. It was designed to get Trump to self-destruct. One anonymously sourced bombshell after another, a a death-by-a-thousand-cut scenario where they leaked a bombshell after a bombshell after a bombshell. None of them turned out to be true, but they were hoping he would self-destruct, fire Robert Mueller, and create the perception that there was a... There, there. Bingo. But when the Mueller probe came and went and we were like, whoa, they just lied to us for four years? They tried that to throw a president out of power? And then we saw all the ridiculous impeachment efforts. We saw the slander of veterans where the Atlantic ran that anonymously sourced story saying Trump said the veterans are suckers and losers. But 25 people went on record refuting it. We saw that nothing was beneath them when it came to stealing the election. And that's why January 6th actually happened. Now, the reason they're showboating these trials is because they want all of the attention paid to the maniacs who stormed the Capitol, as opposed to the maniacs who made people distrust our elections. Something we still haven't investigated to this day, but something people like me will not stop talking about because that's the real problem. You got some big testicles to pull this off, bro.
2: This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
3: He
4: is one of those iconic figures that fans care about.
6: Introducing the Nike Air Avenatti, the first sneaker with no soul
9: legal and extortionate threats for the purpose of obtaining millions of dollars in payments for himself
6: other tracks use claim to boost your speed but the aravenati got caught pulling a fast one
4: you know that old adage you live by the sword you die by the sword
6: Winning the race of life is hard, but Nike invites you to just sue it with the Air Avenatti. Avenatti faces two more trials on the West Coast. The Air Avenatti. It currently doesn't have a release date, but it could be out as early as 2023 with good behavior.
7: Like Mike. if I could be like Mike. Oh, I like Like if I could be like, Mike. like, Mike. If I
8: could be like Mike.
3: No, Michael Avenatti will not be out by 2023. He has just gotten four more years tacked on to his prison sentence only noteworthy why because the media told you he was a serious presidential contender now they're not telling you anything here's them then
5: you got lucky tonight. We're back with attorney Michael Avenatti. He is a main player. Sitting beside
1: me right now. I'm not going to let you cheat. You, you have to guess. Uh, and a hint, his name is Michael Avenatti. <laughs> <laughs>
6: and, uh, look, I think you're doing a hell of a job. I
1: don't think you're in this for money.
6: To me,
8: you're like the Holy Spirit. You are all, <laughs> all places <laughs> at all times. He's out there
0: saving the look, country. Y- you know what?
6: I'm- He's a rock star, I think. You're mm-hmm. to see his next check. Absolutely. Michael Avenatti for president in 2020? He's Donald Trump's worst
3: nightmare, Michael Avenatti. Existential threat to the Trump presidency. Please welcome attorney, Michael Avenatti.
6: Looking ahead to 2020, uh, one reason why I'm taking you seriously as a contender is because of your presence on cable
3: news. I mean, folks. The media told you this was a serious presidential contender. Hyped this guy to the moon. He's now about to do six years in the joint. Not the White House. The Big House. Not a word out of it. And these are the same idiots that shamelessly gaslight you every day of January 6th and racism and anything else. They're not listening to themselves talk. But long story short, man.
4: The media is a bunch of losers.
3: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. They're playing Little Guitars by Van Halen. Apropos, I consider this next guest the Diamond David Lee Roth of Attorney Generals. He's, of course, Arizona's Attorney General Mark Burnovich. Hey, man.
9: Panama! Yeah, hey, how's it going?
3: (laughs) Only you, man. You're the best. It's It's better now. I wasn't sure whether
9: to go with that or I'm just a gigolo, you know, from his solo career. But I guess we wanted to go stick with... (laughs)
3: You know, Justin Gigolo didn't get the love it deserved, and the reason why is it was funny, but California Girls was, you know, California Girls on steroids hey, back in the video yeah, age,
9: yeah. Back in the video mm-hmm. age as a, as a high schooler, that was uh, definitely one of my favorite videos.
3: Oh, no question, but in the 80s, we were bigger perverts than we were comedy fans. It'd be interesting to see how, if, if that if that battle were held today, because I did. I love Justin Gigolo, but I don't want to get sidetracked. Oh. You good, though? Everything's good, man?
9: Yeah, everything's great. Uh just uh, busy busy busy. Just down at the border yesterday again and seeing all the damage first hand that the Biden administration has uh brought to states like Arizona and it's very heartbreaking and lots of battles to be had, but I'm doing my best, Jimmy. <laughs> well,
3: every time we talk, you've filed a new lawsuit against this administration, and uh, I see everybody's up ca- catching up now. Like, you were suing Biden before it was trendy. You know, Now everybody's suing him for something now. But where I see this really going, and this is crazy, is I watched his speech last night. And we're talking about Second Amendment stuff, and, you know, the Second Amendment is an absolute. And, you know, I, I, without even getting into that at the moment, this whole idea that he wants to be able to sue gun manufacturers and that they're the only ones afforded this protection – isn't actually true. Like, people run people over with cars. We don't sue Toyota, nor should we. Why do they want to get the responsibility away from the individual and place it onto society?
9: Well... Jimmy, you and I have spoken about this before. It is the Bill of Rights, not the Bill of Suggestions. And so that's the first thing we all need to recognize is that no Mm -hmm. president, no person, Republican or Democrat, has the right to infringe on your constitutional liberties. And what the Biden administration is doing, unfortunately, is trying to use this tragedy uh, to continue the Democrat liberal assault on the Second Amendment. And you're you're absolutely right as far as cars. I mean, think about – the tragedies, the tens of thousands of people that die every year as a result of automobile accidents and even drunk driving, and yet no one ever says, "Oh my gosh, we're going to sue," you know, Boone's Farm or Smirnoff uh, because you know they sell booze, which leads to cirrhosis of the liver or people do terrible things when they're drunk and driving. And so, you know, people understand America is all about individual responsibility. And you know, it, I, what is it? The pathetic fallacy? What that, I think that's what it's called when you assign human characteristics to inanimate objects and that's the thing is that guns are like any other tool they can be used for good or they can be used for evil and the problem we have in this world today is this uptick in the last 30 years of these degenerate heinous killers that you know now have notoriety and fame and it Mm -hmm. stinks i know the name of that a-hole that did the shootings in Texas, I still remember the names of the Columbine guys who were on Time magazine. And so the mm-hmm. media, you know, and I, I know you're part of the media, but the mainstream no, media, it. especially, they give these losers the notoriety that they crave. And then you throw that on top of these video games, which desensitize people. And so the mental health crisis in this country, all these things combined, and no one is talking about those issues. Instead, you know, Joe Biden wants to you know, go after our constitutional rights.
3: Yeah, it's, it's so frustrating. We're talking to Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich, who is, of course, hot for teacher. I mean, we all are. Uh, but you're right. No, you're right. And that, the, the frustration is the weapons have been around forever. This type of thing is newer. Something has changed in society. And I agree. Like, I on this show, I've never said the name of the shooter. I never do, because I do think there's this perverse level of... You know, where we're incentivizing this sort of thing by making these guys relevant for three weeks or whatever the heck it happens to be in the news cycle. And I think obviously that's one component. But the other thing really is, like, when it comes to mental health, right, is, is the issue that we don't prioritize it because you can't really campaign on mental health the way you can campaign on Republicans are evil, the NRA is the devil. Like, is it that simple? Is there something else I'm not missing? Because I would think we'd all agree that mental health is an issue.
9: I think it's twofold. I think one is if you look at Democratic or leftist politicians, um, you know, they've been against guns, you know, from the very beginning. In fact, uh, you know, they probably, if this was the revolutionary times, they would have sided with the British and wanted to confiscate arms and quarter soldiers in houses. And so there there is this mentality of the left where it's always the collectivist thought where they want people to become dependent on the the government for everything, including their personal security. And of course, the thing that the framers of the constitution understood and what the second amendment was all about is that every person, every human being has not only a dignity in their person, but they have the inherent right to defend themselves. And so, you know, that's what the 2nd Amendment is about was to not only, you know, be a check on a tyrannical government, but to ensure that every person had the right to to defend themselves and any government that believes law-abiding citizens should be restrained from owning or responsibly carrying firearms does not understand the difference between citizens and subjects.
3: Wow, that's a really great point, and uh, it, it's something that needs to be set up in Canada right now because Trudeau is just flat out, you know, that's it. We're not selling you guns anymore, and what I'm always blown away by is, you know, they really did a lot of authoritarian stuff in the last two years with COVID. Like, you couldn't go to work. You couldn't go to school. You couldn't go to church, and, uh, you know, I'm not calling for any type of revolution, but what I'm saying is this isn't a heavily armed populace. I can't imagine what the federal government would be doing to us if we had absolutely you know, no, no possibility of people uprising. And again, that's not what I'm calling for. But I'm saying if you think they push us around a lot now, imagine where we would be you know, in a world of gun confiscation. Probably you know, something like Shanghai where we were just all locked up for months at a time, no?
9: Yeah, well, you, you hit the nail on the head in the sense – or what you said about this – unprecedented power grab by the federal government. And so, you know, whether it's, you know, sending out stimulus checks and then sending the state saying the states can't, you know, cut taxes by that amount. We have a lawsuit on that where that's once again the federal government wanting you to become financially dependent on them. The attempt to nationalize elections where the federal government, Nancy Pelosi and Chucky Schumer control the electoral process so they can decide who gets elected. I mean the list goes on and on and on where they're trying to concentrate the power and our individual liberties are at risk, and especially that ability of you know an armed citizenry being the ultimate check on tyrannical government. And you and I know, or we, I know we agree, that, look, what happened was absolutely wrong. It was tragic. The guy was a degenerate loser. We are learning more about what happened. But think about this, Jimmy. What we do know is that you can have all the policies and laws and procedures in place, but In that terrible tragedy, they weren't followed. We know that the police didn't go to the gun as they were trained. We know that some teacher left a door that was supposed to be locked open. You know, how many Mm -hmm. kids would have been saved if they had followed those policies? And we know that if gun laws, you know, or more gun control was the answer, you wouldn't have problems like you have in Chicago and Philadelphia.
3: Yeah, that's a mess. And, and, you know, I make that point a lot that the cities with the strictest laws, you know, it's terrible. I mean, you get it, though. I mean, you're an attorney general. Mark Brnovich is on the line from the great state of Arizona. Uh, listen, man, the summer is here. Let's have this talk really quick. Remember, we were talking about how all the Fox girls wanted to go to this poison Motley crew Def Leppard thing. And uh, yeah. I, I don't know that it, any of those everybody guys. Are, wa-
9: everybody wants some, so to speak.
3: <laughs> well, I don't, know that I, I don't know that any of those bands have the fastball. But I, I was told. Oh. I was told. and we No, meaning at this point, like Vince Neal, if you've ever seen the Vince Neal videos, people derisively refer to him now as Vince Meal because he gained a couple of pounds, which is yeah. just funny to me. And I love getting, him. We're all getting older. Who hasn't? We're all getting, oh, oh, yeah. yeah no, we're no, no question. Older. But my question for you is, does Def Leppard still have it? Did Def Leppard ever have it?
9: No and no. So you're not a leopard whatever. guy. No, you're not oh, well, a leopard guy. I thought we've okay. had this conversation. Every not on test leopard. Def- no, no. Every stinking Def Leppard song sounds exactly the same. It's like, okay, we got Pyromania. It's like, you, you name it. It's like, Photograph. I don't know. They all sound exactly the same. No creativity. And, I mean, look, we, we started this by talking about Van Halen. I mean, what? Jamie's Crying, Ain't Talking About Love. I mean, there, there's so many great songs. of that, that early Van Halen stuff. And, I, I see, I'm a David Lee Roth guy, not Sammy Hagar. I get just it. Full disclosure. No, I get it. And, it's, it's kind of like if you, the first James Bond you saw, that's who you love. Like, so my kids love Daniel Craig because that's the first James uh-huh. Bond they remember. And I kind of remember the first James Bond movie, Roger Moore, even though I love Sean Connery, yeah. but, you know, the uh-huh. first one you see. And so Van Halen with um, David Lee Roth was, you know, all that stuff. Um, well, you know, listen, the, the, the,
3: I asked the question. I get you on record because, you know, one of the outnumbered co hosts, Emily Campagno. Loves mm-hmm. Deaf Leopard, like on an unhealthy level. And we've been trying to stage interventions because she keeps trying to organize like, Hey, we'll get in a, a party bus. We're all going to see Deaf Leopard. I'm like, no one's going to see Deaf Leopard. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I, ne- I need, I, I I
9: needed a testimonial. Go ahead. I will be up for the crew. I will be up for the crew show. In fact, I kind of wanted to see them. I never saw them. I was never a big guy, 80s hairband kind of guy. You know, it wasn't my yeah. jam. But mm-hmm. I would go see Motley Crew, you know. I, I would go see them. Uh, <laughs> All right, so no it gun control. Jumpstart my, jump start my kid, heart, right? Gee, I mean, how can you not <laughs> like that song?
3: <laughs> Kick my, heart. No, no. Kick oh yeah, my god! Kick... I'm, I'm, didn't no, no, I'm I'm you. don't worry about it. You're fine. No, right. no, you're fine. It's golf. You get partial credit. You were near the hole on that one. Uh, well, then yeah, the yeah. last thing I would throw at you then, now that not knowing you're a devoted crew guy, is there is a band in L.A. Uh, that I have seen before. It is a yacht, it's, it's a cover band called Yachtly Crew. And they're a mm-hmm. Motley Crue cover band that plays Yacht Rock. It's the best thing I've ever seen. It's worth you looking up when we get off the phone. It's the best thing I've ever you, – you'd love it so we're, we're, much.
9: Are, are they, like, at the Whiskey-A-Go-Go? Where, like, where do they play? the yeah, Ra- yeah they the do Rainbow all that still stuff. the open?
3: Yes, I, I believe it is. I know the whiskey is. It's, I'm going to be out there in July. I, I'm going to have to take Lincoln oh, failure man, and get rowdy. We should
9: we should, we should make a date of that. Could you imagine you and I hanging out in L.A. at the whiskey? People- Listen,
3: again, yeah, go ahead. It, it would be a no, high no, honor guess, for me to – think- It'd be a high honor for me to lose this show. It would be great. It would be something. Oh, if I think brought down.
9: One night, exactly. You, we destroy my whole future. Um, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Both of us bottom out. I'll, I will go from former yeah. New York
3: City cab driver to current Los Angeles cab driver, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, that's yes, a day I could be. All right. Well, I could. All right. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> race to the bottom. You're the best. Let's see you later. The great Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich. Uh, he got out of got out of head by the way. I, I believe we had one more good analogy coming because he has so many of them he 's a brilliant guy. I love talking to him, but me and him don't belong anywhere near the whiskey at goGo. No no chance not while i 'm out in los angeles like i 'm going to go to a Dodger game i'm actually you guys don't know this. I tell you guys everything everything you've the highest security clearance in the world. Uh, I am hosting uh, fox's Fourth of July special. I am one of the hosts on the Fourth of July, and while i 'm out there i 'm going to be shooting some stuff on the boardwalk, the Santa Monica Pier anyway and uh, stuff I've got to be doing while I'm out in L.A. I've actually got to be productive, so I can't hang out with Berno. There's no world where I'm hanging out with Mark Bernovich while I'm on work assignment. It's like when I hosted New Year's Eve this year. It's like the first New Year's Eve of my life I actually didn't drink. I'm like, no way. I'm not, you know, I'm not blowing it up this way. Same thing with the White House Correspondents Dinner. If you remember, I had to do a hit live on the red carpet after being in an open bar for four hours. So I didn't drink at all. I'm like, no way. I'm not really nuts. I'm not as sharp as it is. I'm not getting on TV with a drink at me. But make no mistake about it, the minute the TV hit was over, wow. I mean, <laughs> we did, you know, we behaved. We were big boys and girls the whole night, you know, but the minute that thing was over, it got a little rowdy out there at the open bar. I'm not going to lie. But that's why you listen to the show, man. You know, you've got a flawed guy just trying to make it work, and we will continue to do so after this because I've got one more clip I've got to play you before we close the week in style. It's got me all worked up, so hopefully you guys can talk me off the ledge when we come back.
4: This thing is going to become gargantuan when the Son of Man comes.
2: You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
3: Meghan Markle and Prince Harry are stressed out from their busy lives of flying around in private jets, eating five-star meals, and getting six-handed massages.
4: It's a very real thing to be going through behind the scenes.
3: You can help take the edge off by donating to the Royal Relief Fund. I never thought that this would be easy, but I thought it would be fair. The Royal Relief Fund is your chance to help whiny, entitled do-nothings survive their woe-is-me charade of a life.
6: It's not enough to just survive something.
4: like That's not the point of life.
3: For just $283,000 a day, you can give a British Royal things they desperately need to survive, like 30 assistants, Five personal chefs and a string quartet to serenade them while they poop.
0: Because not many people have asked if I'm okay.
3: The Royal Relief Fund, connecting gullible fools like you with self-important clowns like them for over five years. It is Fox across America with Jimmy Fallon, the Royal Relief Fund taking donations as we speak. Because Harry and Meghan flown across the pond for the Queen's Jubilee, 70 years on the throne for Queen Elizabeth. She did not attend the Thanksgiving ceremony today. Uh, they said she was feeling discomfort. I don't know if the discomfort was the fact that Meghan Markle's in town, but one way or the other, we salute the Queen And 70 years. is remarkable. You'll never see anything like it in the world. We should also point out that this whole thing would have ended in 1988 were it not for the heroic exploits of Lieutenant Frank Drebin with police squad who famously saved the Queen from an attack from Reggie Jackson on the Anaheim Angels. Who could ever forget Lieutenant Drebin with the help of Enrico Palazzo actually saving the Queen from what would have been her demise at a Major League Baseball game. Uh, but the point being is uh, this Harry and Meghan thing is really funny. It's kind of making some headlines again today. And whenever they get attention, obviously there's attention because of the Queen's event. And they showed up to the event, and that's going to be noteworthy because they've been you know, kind of outcast in the family. But I'm always fascinated by the fascination, because technically speaking, they're not even real royals. They are like Kansas City royals. Harry Harry is sixth in line to the crown, which means the only way he puts on the crown is if he celebrates a birthday at Burger King. Yet they really do still make headlines. And it's fascinating because they contribute just absolutely nothing to society. But I was watching it during the last break. They're like, oh, Harry and Meghan got booed by the crowd. I was like, good. All of these royals, all of these celebrities, if there was a closing message, I'd say this all the time. It's why you're not supposed to take yourself seriously. There are a lot of people who had really good rackets, just pornographic lives, lives of such spectacular prosperity. And we were all in on the joke. Like Hollywood's a good example. Hollywood, you're the richest people in the world. You don't work. You play pretend. Okay, you have hit the genetic lottery. You're so good looking. People are willing to pay $22 for a popcorn to watch you recite words that were written by an ugly person. And I know that I've worked in a lot of writers rooms, no show ponies in there. And the God's honest truth is rather than just enjoying that life of spectacular privilege, they turned it into a branding exercise where they started to inject politics into movie making and certainly award ceremonies and everything in between and managed to alienate half the country along the way and managed to make a lot of people say to themselves, hey, why do we even have, you know, Hollywood? Why are we even paying people this much money to pretend like little children? You know, and it started to change their industry. It's starting to change the monopoly they had on fun and good times and prosperity. And the same thing's going on with the royals. When you start opting out of royal duty because it's just too hard, they don't do anything. But it's making people re examine the monarchy. And one of the f- most fascinating things about all of this Queen Elizabeth coverage is there have been not even quiet discussions, but there have been pretty open discussions about whether or not the monarchy will endure. In a post-Queen Elizabeth world, let's hope the day doesn't come anytime soon, but the God's honest truth is, you know, people like Queen Elizabeth, uh, you know, who have put duty above all else, people like Prince Charles, who uh, I don't know that he always put duty above everything else when he was catting around on Princess Diana, but he and his son, to be fair, uh, they do seem committed to the monarchy and to using it for good as opposed to the woe is me, look at me that Meghan and Harry have ascribed to. And if it does endure, it will be uh, for the heroic uh, work of them or at least the sacrifice or the dedication or the focus of them and not the whiny entitled nonsense you get from Harry and Meghan, I guess would be the life lesson here. Why not end the week talking about the British Royals? We're going to be talking about everything at Fat Cats tonight. And you can, of course, see me on Tucker Carlson as well. But the show is over. The mass is ended. Have a great weekend. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a